If you have your uh, Bible, please turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. Uh, that's the only passage we're going to look at this morning, the fruit of the Spirit. That's, it's going to feel this morning more like a word study on the uh, fruit of gentleness. We've been studying, we're almost to the end of our study through the fruit of the Spirit, and I like to kind of say things just to, that we've said before that I think are really important, uh, particularly in a study like the fruit of the Spirit. And so I said this last week, and let's say it again, when Paul gives us the fruit of the Spirit, uh, it's important for us to remember that this isn't, Paul's not saying this is the life you've got to live in order for God to love you. Okay? Rather, Paul is saying, this is the life that you live because God loves you. See the difference there? Uh, The Holy Spirit comes into a person's life and makes the gospel real and makes Jesus come alive in a person's heart. And then that person begins to reflect the character of Jesus. What does that look like? Galatians chapter 5. It looks like the fruit of the Spirit. And so this morning, we're going to be looking, last week we looked at goodness and faithfulness. This morning, we will be looking at the fruit of gentleness. And so follow along with me as I read Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. This is God's word. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. This is God's word. Let me pray and ask God to come through his spirit and to help us this morning with this passage. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. Show us Jesus this morning. Show us how gentle you are with us. And through your gentleness with us, may you change us and make us gentle people to those around us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1839, there was a pastor by the name of George Bethune, and he wrote this. Perhaps no grace is less prayed for or less cultivated than gentleness. Indeed, it is considered rather as belonging to a natural disposition or external manners than a Christian virtue. And I would say for the most part, 180 years later, nearly 180 years later, that nothing has really changed. Now, that's not to say that gentleness is completely absent from the Christian community and the world. Of course not. But I do not think that gentleness is something is, that is very highly valued uh, in our lives and in the culture around us. It's definitely not uh, as highly valued as it should be. Okay, let me work that out. Let's think about this with me. How much time do you spend praying in your life for the fruit of gentleness? Or if you were to make a list, of nine qualities that you want to be known for or you want God to do in your life, would gentleness be on the list? And if it's on the list, where would it rank or where would it fall on the list? 
Football season is right around the corner. I can't wait. Who wants their football team to be known as the gentle football team? What if I called your team the gentle tigers? Or the, <laughs> see, see, I told you, you don't like that. You don't like gentleness. Or the gentle tide. No one is cheering for the gentle football team, I can assure you. Gentleness is something uh, that we don't value highly. Think about if you're a businessman and maybe you're a CEO or you hire people for your business. Is gentleness the top quality that you're looking for when you're hiring an employee? Let's say a sales representative. Where does gentleness fall? Probably not very high on the list. You're looking for someone that's feisty and tough and someone who doesn't take no for an answer. When you're in the boardroom and you're at the negotiation table, you want a bulldog, not someone who is gentle. And my point very simply is this. Gentleness is not something that we typically value. Gentleness doesn't win football games. It doesn't close the business deals. It doesn't get you the job, and it, in our world, doesn't make you successful in life. You know the old saying, nice guys, nice girls, where do they finish? They finish last, not first. And yet, it is a fruit of the Spirit. Yet, uh, this is something, one of the nine qualities, that of all the things that the Apostle Paul could have said... One of the nine qualities is gentleness of of, of what it looks like when Jesus is at work in a person's life. Gentleness is important because gentleness is important to God. Because gentleness is who God is. And it's all over the Bible. Think of Philippians chapter 4 verse 5. The Apostle Paul says, let your gentleness... Be evident to all. Think of all the things he could have said. He doesn't say let your good works or let your, uh, how committed you are and how much money you give and how holy you are. Let that be evident to all. He says let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness, is the point is it's important because it reflects the very character of God and it's the way Jesus himself describes who he is. In Matthew chapter 11. So how do we get gentleness? We're going to look at gentleness. That's the topic this morning. And we're going to do it just like we've done. uh, Through most of the fruit of the spirit. What is it? Biblically. How do we define it? Secondly we're going to look at why it matters. Why is it so important? It's not important to the world. But it's important to God. Why? And thirdly we're going to look at how we get it. So let's look at number one. What it is. What does the Bible say about gentleness? It's really interesting, and I want you to hang with me here uh, because I think it's important to kind of sort through this. But when the Apostle Paul uses this word for gentleness here in Galatians chapter 5, that same word in other places in Scripture is translated meekness. For example, the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, 
blessed are the meek. That's the exact same word that Paul uses for the word gentle in Galatians 5 verse 23 when he's describing the fruit of the Spirit. And so to really understand gentleness, we've got to pull gentleness and meekness apart, which is what I'm going to attempt to do. We've got to pull them apart and understand, if we're really going to understand it, the difference between gentleness and meekness. And so for the most part in Scripture, when you're reading and studying Scripture, when an author translates a word meekness, it has to do with a person's attitude. It has to do with a state of being or a person's heart. Meekness is inward. On the other hand, when the author translates the word gentleness, it has to do with actions. It has to do uh, with uh, being outward facing. And so this is important because it's amazing, the richness of the word. So in one word, you have a state of being and a way of living. Let me try to explain this. Again, we're trying to pull them apart, and then we're going to put them back together. So let me try give you an example of meekness. We could, again, share a ton, but for time's sake, let me mention one. James chapter 1, verse 21, it says to put away filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of God, which is able to save your souls. So think about it. Meekness has to do with uh, how a person receives something. Again, remember, it's very inward. It has to do, in this verse, with how you receive the word of God. So someone who is meek, remember, it's an attitude of the heart, is someone who is teachable, first of all, to God, but also teachable to other people. So someone who is meek is, has a humble attitude and can receive invite, advice from people and can actually receive instruction or rebuke from others. And so if you think about the gospel or Christianity, to receive the gospel and to be a Christian, you have to be meek. Because you have to be a humble person who is able to say and go before God and say, I am spiritually poor. And I need something. I need Jesus to come and rescue me and do what I can't do for myself. Meekness is an attitude. Gentleness is more of an an action. It's action oriented. So listen to these verses. Titus, you can write these down and look them up later. Titus 3 verses 1 and 2. Be ready for every good work. Be ready to speak evil to no one. To avoid quarreling. To be gentle, see it has to do with actions and relating, and to show perfect, perfect courtesy towards all people. That's, a, we, that's the sermon in and of itself. To show perfect courtesy to all people. Man, that's convicting. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 and 25, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Here it is, action-oriented, correcting opponents with gentleness. And so let me try to summarize and pull these back together. When meekness and humility bubble up in a person's heart, out comes gentleness. Out comes love and kindness. Gentleness is not a natural born disposition. It's not manners that you cultivate. 
Those are actually counterfeits to gentleness. Gentleness flows out of you, okay? A humble, meek heart. Gentleness flows out of a humble, meek heart that has been changed by the Holy Spirit of God, which is why gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness, true gentleness, comes from a person who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Gentleness is not weakness and passivity. Gentleness has been said is power under control. Let me try to explain it with an illustration. Some of you might have used a hose yesterday to water your plants or water your flowers or maybe your kids played in a hose yesterday. And let's say you got your, get out your garden hose and you put a nozzle on the end of the hose, but it's one of those fancy nozzles that has a pressure regulator on the end of it and you turn the dial, you know, you've got the soaking mode and the mist mode and the jet mode and every other mode that you can use, and you set that to determine how much pressure and how much water actually comes out out of the nozzle. So let's say, for example, this afternoon, you put that nozzle on the end and you put it on jet mode and your kids want to play in the water, and so they're three feet away and you put that thing on jet mode and you squirt them. (laughs) How does that feel? They're like, ah, that's uncomfortable, that's painful, that hurts. What happens when you turn it? That's why when you go to these amusement parks and you go to the zoo, they don't have water stations that are on jet mode. (laughs) They're on mist mode. Because when you take that nozzle and you turn it on mist mode and you spray it, your your children or, or you are like, ah, that's so refreshing. That's restorative. That actually cools me off and heals me, doesn't damage me. What's the problem? The problem there is not the water. The problem is the delivery of the water. And when it's set on mist mode, it comes out in just the right way, in just the right amount, so that what you get is restoration and refreshment and not pain and discomfort. That is a picture of gentleness. Because human beings are created in the image of God, and I don't know whether you know this or not, hopefully you do, but you have a tremendous amount of power that you are carrying around inside you, and you have a tremendous amount of power relationally with other people, especially those that are close to you. You have the power to completely destroy a person. Or you have the power to completely heal and restore them. And gentleness is the Mr. Mode... On your power. So that when it comes out and flows out of your life, it flows out as love and humility and gentleness. Make sense? Secondly, why does it matter? Why is it important? Well, it's not necessarily that highly valued in the world, but it's very highly valued to God because it's essential to relationships and to life in the church. Gentleness keeps us from destroying people. Gentleness keeps us from destroying community and tearing one another apart. We started down this road in the last point, but let's get into it a little more deeply here. Gentleness is the mister mode on the power that keeps us from devouring one another. And so it's really, really important. So think about, if you're not convinced yet about your power, think about the power of words. The power of your words 
Words come from your heart, the Bible says. Come from within you. Think about how powerful words are. James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among members, starting, staining the whole body, setting the fire over the course of life. It's set on fire by hell. Hmm. That is so strong. See how, pow- how much power we have in power with our words in a one-minute conversation at, in the break room at your workplace or in a one-minute com- conversation at a coffee break or before KC. In that one-minute or less conversation, you have the power to unleash so much hurt and damage in a person's life that they will never forget it. Because words have a long, and you know this, and I know this, they have a long, long shelf life, don't they? And careless words can damage a person for a long time. But the reverse is also true, isn't it? Words have the power to heal. Think about a gentle word at just the right time, in just the right way, with just the right tone. That can change your life, and it has changed your life, and it's changed my life. When someone speaks those gentle, kind words to you in just the right moment when you need it, it has the power to send you and put wind in your sails and send you out the world into the world with a little bit more pep in your step than you did before. See, this picture of gentleness we see is very, very powerful when it comes to our words. And that doesn't mean that there's never a place for us to use hard words. Or to rebuke, because the Bible clearly talks about speaking uh, hard words and rebuking and correcting people. But the Bible, it's interesting, even when it says that, it says to do so with gentleness, with love. Speak the truth in love. So when we're speaking the truth to people, we got to set it on Mr. Mode. (laughs) And not ah, jet mode where it's just hurting people. It's Mr. Mode where even when you're speaking hard things, it comes off as feeling refreshing and restorative. And so there is a way that we can speak the truth, the Bible says, that is ungodly. And some of us need to hear that this morning because some of you pride yourself on being truth people. And you're going to be the person that just tells everybody like it is because they need some truth in their life. Well, the only problem with that is that you love the truth but you hate your neighbor. See, you're called to speak the truth with gentleness. You're called, even when speaking hard things, to turn the dial to Mr. Mode. And you see, if we're harsh and insensitive, it destroys community. But when you're gentle and kind, what does it do? It builds up community and provides a safe community for people to struggle and for people to move through life together. And we see that specifically. That's why when the Bible talks about gentleness, if you look at all the references, most of it has to do with being gentle and confrontation and rebuke and talking to people who are in the midst of brokenness and sin. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, which we talked about several weeks ago. You who are spiritual, 
you who are filled with the Spirit, so all of us, if you're a Christian, if your brother or sister is called in sin, go and restore them. What word comes next? Gently. Restore them gently. Uh, many of you have heard the story, uh, perhaps. If not, here it goes. But, or seen my Elizabeth with what I call her LeBron James sleeve, her uh, uh, compression sleeve on her left arm. Uh, that was a result of a 4th of July firework gone bad. We had a block party, and we were down at the end of our street, and all of our neighbors were out, and we were not doing anything careless. We were 25 yards away, and a firework, one of those boxes that go straight up, misfired. It didn't tip over. It misfired and shot out the side, and it landed, basically hit Elizabeth square in the chest, landed in her lap, big ordeal, chair caught on fire, the whole nine yards, but it burned, second-degree burns on the left side, uh, on the underside of her left arm. So we spent 4th of July in the emergency room at Children's Hospital in the burn unit. They send us home with uh, silver nine patches on the burn, and it's all wrapped up. And Susie and I are, in a few days, they gave us some specific instructions about changing out the bandage, and we don't know what we're getting into, how bad this is going to be, infection, that sort of thing. So we thought this is beyond our pay grade. (laughs) And so Brenda Snook who is a nurse in our congregation, volunteered to come over and to take us totally out of the mix and change this bandage, which we were expecting could be very painful. And I'm going to tell you, Miss Brenda was a picture of gently restoring. Because instead of imposing her will on Elizabeth, she talked to Elizabeth very gently And she held her arm and talked her through every step of the way exactly what she was going to do and when and said, if this starts hurting, tell me and we'll figure it out. And then after the bandage was off, it was time to clean it. Okay, second degree burns, that doesn't sound fun. It was not. So we go over to the sink and Miss Brenda takes her arm and takes a rag with soap and water and very gently starts to clean Elizabeth's burn. Well, that's when the tears started to well up in Elizabeth's eyes, as you can imagine, taking a rag onto a raw skin and the the tears began to flow because it was painful but think about it it was a healing pain and that's the very best thing even though it was painful that could be done in order to restore and heal her burn and so miss elizabeth or uh, miss brenda leaves and elizabeth's still pretty rattled and uncomfortable a little teary but here's what she said she said I'm really glad Miss Brenda came over. Okay, so think about that. Why in the world would she say, I'm really glad Miss Brenda came over? Because Miss Brenda came over and in some ways inflicted some pain on Elizabeth and made her uncomfortable. I'll tell you why she was glad. Because in the midst of her pain and discomfort, someone was gentle with her and was understanding and entered in And it made all the difference in the world because gentleness is not weakness. It's powerful. And that's why God calls us to be gentle and not harsh and abrasive with people when they're in the midst of pain and brokenness. And so here's my question. Are you a gentle person? Are you a gentle person this morning? 
How do you know if you're gentle? Well, one of the ways you cultivate gentleness is you ask someone close to you who loves you, who will be honest and tell you the truth. And here's one question you can ask if you're on social media or Facebook. How do I come across on Facebook to other people? To people that disagree with me politically? I come up, because see, we often kind of say, well, we're not talking to people, and so we can just do whatever we want on social media. So how do I come across there? Or here's another question. Uh, are you dogmatic or opinionated or abrasive or too blunt or too abrupt? Can people relax in your presence? You know the kind of people that when they walk in the room, you know, the temperature just kind of goes down and you feel at ease and calm and like everything's going to be okay? Is that the way people would describe you? Or do when you enter the room, does the temperature go up? And the people start getting anxious and tense because you walked into the room and they're scared that you're going to criticize them or be harsh with them in, in some way. Gentleness matters. It's really, really important. It's not a throwaway fruit. But it's essential because it keeps us from tearing one another apart relationally. Thirdly and finally, how do we get it? That's one of those fruits, and and please, I I hope that we've gotten this from all the fruits, but let's talk particularly about this fruit. Surely, you, out of all the fruits, this is one you can't just will into your life and just make it happen. And so, how do you get it? Well, the source of all the fruit is God, and so gentleness comes from God. It's the fruit of the Spirit. That needs to be said every week. It's not your fruit. You can't muster this up. So think about it this way uh, in terms of the story of the Bible. Let me walk us through this. Think about the story of the Bible, in some senses, the story of the world. God had all the power. He has all the power. God is all-powerful. And in the beginning, in all of his power, what's he do? He speaks. There's the power of a word again. And he speaks the world into being by the word of his power. And when he does so, this beautiful world comes out. And then he doesn't have to, but because of his grace, he creates human beings so that he can have a relationship with them. Again, not because he had to. He had the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He had community. It's not because he needed somebody to love him. (laughs) Out of grace, he creates human beings, and he creates them to take care of this beautiful world and to interact with God himself under his provision. And then how does... How do we repay God for that amazing gift? The beginning of Genesis. Well, think about it. We told God to get out of our life. We told God we didn't need Him. We told God that we've got this, thank you very much, and then we started killing each other. Go look at Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel. It doesn't take long. And so think about that just for a moment with me. How would you have responded? How do you respond with your power when someone does that to you? Think about God. He has all the power. And how does he respond? You know how God responds? Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 8. God makes himself nothing. God makes himself nothing and takes on the very nature of a servant And comes down in human likeness and makes himself obedient to death, even death on the cross. You see, God in his gentleness stoops down. 
and funnels his power into a life of love and humility in the person of Jesus Christ. Back to July 4th. The firework goes off in Elizabeth's lap. She is burned severely. And we went, and and you can imagine, at the end of our cul-de-sac, we go from celebrating with our neighbors to an instant, to seconds. It was mass chaos. You can imagine. People running around, chairs on fire, Elizabeth burned, singed, hair singed, hole in her shirt. And so she takes off running, and I take off running with her as fast as we can back to our house, which is two doors down. Elizabeth goes into our house and immediately collapses on the floor and is pretty upset and shaken and crying. And so I'm there, Susie's there, all the girls are there. Then all the neighbors start coming in. And so we're all trying to figure out what to do. And then uh, we called our neighbor, who was a surgeon, a longtime surgeon at UAB. And he walks in to the house. And immediately the whole house shifted. Long time powerful surgeon walks in. And the temperature goes down in the room. And you know what he does? He gets down on the floor. He gets down on the floor. With my Elizabeth. And he starts to talk to her. With this gentle voice. And I'm going to tell you. In a minute it seemed like the tears dried up and she calmed down and the whole room calmed down and he started to gently touch her with a q-tip to determine how bad uh, the burn really was you see it you see power funneled through humility and love he didn't say which he could have said get up let me see your arm he got down he stooped low because you see that's what gentleness does Gentleness stoops down. And that's what God does. God stooped low through the person of Jesus Christ and is the ultimate picture of us of gentleness. And hang with me here. Please hang with me. I want you to think about this with me. Jesus has no shortage of power. It's not like Jesus was a weakling. Think about this. Remember the storm, 10-foot swells? They think they're going to die. And Jesus gets up from a nap and says, in one word, hush. And then what happens? The sea goes completely calm, so calm that you can see reflection in it. He's walking by and a woman who had been sick for years just touches his garment and the power goes out of Jesus into her and heals her. Do you see the power? The Garden of Gethsemane, John chapter 18, the authorities come to Jesus and they arrest Jesus and they say, are you the Christ? And Jesus says, I am he. And you remember remember what happened next? They all fall out. They all fall to the ground. Revelation chapter 1, John paints this picture of Jesus with a sword coming out of his mouth and with fire coming out of his eyes. And it's so powerful that you know what John who's writing it? He gets in the fetal position and says, please don't kill me. Because he was so afraid. But what did Jesus do with that power? Well, in John 13, he picked up a basin and a towel. And he washed the feet of traitors and betrayers. 
All his friends who would head for the hills when they needed him the most. He washed their feet. What did Jesus do? He made himself nothing through his arrest and through his trial and through the crucifixion. In a second, he could have called on a legion of angels to come down and save him and strike everyone down. But Jesus, he puts the Mr. Nozzle, not the jet mode, the Mr. Mode on his power And he uses it to love and serve others with humility and gentleness. You see, gentleness, Jesus is gentleness. It's how he describes himself in Matthew chapter 11, 28 and 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give rest, rest for your souls, for I am gentle. Same word Paul uses in uh, Galatians chapter 5. I am gentle and humble in heart. Matthew 12, verse 20. A bruised reed he will not break. Smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Where are you this morning? Do you feel like a smoldering wick? Do you feel like a bruised reed? Do you need rest? Are you weary? Are you suffering? Are you sad? Do you feel fragile this morning? Are you afraid of God and how he's going to treat you? In the midst of your weakness, friends, don't be afraid. Come to Jesus. This is an invitation. Wherever you find yourself this morning, come to Jesus. Because He's good. And He's humble. And He's gentle. And when you come to Him, and His gentleness flows into your life, it flows through you into the world around you. That's how you get gentleness. Gentle people are people who have experienced the gentleness of their Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you that though you had all the power, you emptied yourself. You came into the world and you became obedient to death, even death on a cross. We really need your forgiveness this morning. We need you to forgive us for our harshness and the ways we use our words, and the way we treat one another, people that are, treat each other that are in, often in pain. And so would you come through your Holy Spirit and would you help us to cultivate gentleness in our church and in our lives and in our marriages and in our relationship with our children and our co-workers and all our relationships. We really need your help. And so come and help us in Jesus' name. Amen.